Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast, where we discuss how millions of people solve their addictions and move on with their lives. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Mark Sheeran, Stephen Slate, and I wrote the Freedom Model for Addictions and the Freedom Model for the Family. We have been researching addiction and helping people to move past it for more than 30 years. In today's podcast episode, Mark and I will be discussing... You know, are you are you overly cons- are you so consumed with worrying about what people think of your substance use that you're not even sure what you want anymore? That's a serious issue when you're trying to solve a problem. We are very happy to offer various ways you can learn the Freedom Model. You can get a free digital copy of our books at thefreedommodel.org. Enter coupon code FREEDOM100 at checkout. We also offer a low-cost online video course called the Freedom Model Online Program, um, and it's wonderful, and you can still get it to, until January 31st um, at half price. You go to online.thefreedommodel.org and enter uh, coupon code HOLIDAY21 at checkout, and you will get that for half off. Um, And there are two ways you can work one-on-one with a certified Freedom Model instructor. We have Freedom Model private instruction via video conference, or you can come and join us at our retreat for a few weeks. Um, It's completely private. It's a beautiful setting um, and really a wonderful place to get away and figure out this problem. And all classes are one-on-one. Everything's private. Everything we do is one-on-one. Yep. Um, you can get information about all of these options at thefreedommodel.org. Okay, so I've, I've been working with a really, really wonderful woman um, over uh, private instruction via Zoom. And, and it, Zoom is such a great option because people get to live their lives and they get to apply what they're learning um, in real time. And um, and so when when I started with this woman, it was really interesting. She had no real she's she's an she's an older woman in her 60s she had no real experience with AA or with um treatment of any kind uh the first time she went to detox was just you know uh late last year and um and she went to detox and then uh one of her family members found the freedom model she didn't she didn't believe she needed rehab or anything like that or meetings. Now they had mentioned it at detox, but she kind of blew it off. She didn't stay as long as she was supposed to. She had her husband come pick her up because she was very uncomfortable there. And she was only there, you know, when she started feeling better, she's like, I don't need to be here anymore. Um, And, but now I've been working with her for over a month. And when we started working together, she had been abstinent for the three weeks and she got a detox. And she said to me, it was easy. There was no problem. She didn't want to ever drink like that again. She never wanted to go through have to go through detox again. And but but you know, her family thought was well, maybe she'd need a little help to make sure, right? So over the course of time that I've been working with her, a strange thing has happened. Um, she went from being very confident that she would not have a problem to over the holidays, a lot of people chiming in saying oh aren't you going to meetings um don't you think you need uh, like an inpatient rehab I mean you had to go to detox and and now in our last session she was very upset because she's you know she 
has had a couple drinks a few nights a week, two drinks, no more than that. And she feels terrible about it. She feels terrible. And I said, what, what, what makes you feel so bad about it? You know, a lot of people consider what you're doing moderate drinking behavior and non-problematic. And she's like, well, all she talked about, I was waiting for her to say, well, I'm drinking more than I want, but she never said that. She said, well, my daughter doesn't approve of it. I, I work for a church organization and all those people, all those people don't approve of it. They're telling me I need to go to rehab. Um, like nothing about her being upset had to do with the fact that she didn't want to be drinking the way she was. Nothing about it. And didn't they say something like uh, that what she was doing was wrong? Yeah. Well, that's what she said. She goes, she goes, I said, why do you want to stop it? And do you want to, she goes, well, I don't want to be abstinent. I like having a glass of wine when I get home from work. Um, and, and I said, why do you want to be abstinent? And she said, because it's wrong. Drinking is wrong. Yeah. So, so, so this goes into all kinds of different directions of, of, uh, problems. Yeah. And really the problem isn't the drinking. No. At all. I think that the problem in this case, let's talk about what happens when we care about what other people think. Yeah. Now. Like uh, to an extreme. To an extreme. Here's, here's. I think there's a socially acceptable, productive way of thinking about others, and that is having empathy and having uh, kind or productive discourse with people is good. Sure. Caring about their opinions is good. Um, listening, taking what you want. But here's, here's the problem. When we start to become confused by other people's opinions and they contradict what we feel inside, and then we start to give our power away because we think that their opinion matters more than your own. More than what you want. That's right. And people do this in all kinds of relationships, of course. Yeah. So I was having a class. So I'm going to take this in a, in a little different direction, but it, it, it applies. So I was doing a class today with my student here at the retreat. And we were talking about this very topic. And I, she asked me, she goes, you know, how did you, how did you get to the point where you could just say, fuck it? You know, because because mm. we laughed because I was going to have that put as my uh, senior picture in the yearbook, my quote, but they wouldn't do it. <laughs> I'm sure not. They wouldn't do it. They were almost <laughs> I almost had them convinced to do the F and then like an asterisk and, and then the K and then it exclamation <laughs> point. And they, I almost had them do it. But the point is, is that <clears throat> I, I lived my life by that to the extreme and it was problematic that way. But. It ended up being really beneficial to me not soon after I graduated and I got my life together, having the attitude of not caring what p other people's opinions were compared to my opinions, compared to what I wanted for my life. I had decided right around 1920 when I got my, my act together and stopped drinking so heavily, I said, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to be me. And she said, so how did you get there? How did right. you? Now, in the beginning, I think that my version of, of fuck it was was maybe a little destructive right i just mm. didn't care but behind that was an independence of thought i had my yes. own vision of what i wanted and my only way to express it at that immature point in my life was to kind of blow off and be my own person right assert my independence um but it was healthy 
it was yeah. healthy for me to do that because I just wanted to be me. I didn't want to be told how to live. I didn't want to be told that my opinions didn't matter. I didn't want to live and acquiesce all my control to all these forces out there that were telling me what I should think, how I should think, how I should drink, how I shouldn't drink, how I'm an addict, how I'm this. And every time I was piled on with another label, I felt my power diminish as a human being. So I had to figure out how to have the attitude to fuck it, but also care. And there's yes. a balancing act there. Now, I'm going to tell you what that balancing act is and how to get there. The balancing act is I need to be willing to listen to other people but also have the confidence to do what I want to do. Yes. That's called diplomacy. It's called being stately, having some grace about your decisions. But you got to know what you want first. And I think that somewhere in my neglected childhood, I realized that that there was nobody out there that was going to help me because I lived a very fucked up life when I was a kid. And I had nobody. So I had built an independence of thought and it was to my benefit. The neglect ended up being a boon to me because I had my own mind, my own thoughts, and my own ways of doing things. Now, some of them ended up being destructive, but some of them were really good. But I had an independence of thought. So when I did get my act together, I kind of knew what I wanted. So people have to get there. Well, that's it. That, that was the biggest problem. You know, I, I understand caring what your children think of you. Very well. I, my children are adults. Me too. And um, and I take into consideration their opinions on all kinds of decisions that I make and what they would think. Um, I, but the difference is I take it into consideration. Um, it doesn't direct me. And I when you start to, like, when what others think of you, and a lot of times, let me just put this out there, your interpretation of what others are thinking of you aren't always accurate. And a lot of times they're not. Um, like though, like when this woman was talking to me about people at the church and <laughs> it was interesting cause she's like, you know, these people lived such good lives. They're all such wonderful people. And I said, Whoa, wait a minute. I'm like, everybody has their things. And the Christians, I, and I'm not knocking Christians. I was raised Catholic are well represented in what we do. Yeah, yeah. We have, <laughs> we have plenty of hardcore Christians who come through our retreat. And, they do. And, and have serious, serious troubles in their lives. These are human beings. <coughs> and and every human being on the planet struggles with something. Okay? Nobody has the life that you envision um, that they might have. So first of all, put it out of your mind that all these people are these pious, righteous, wonderful, perfect people. Because they're not. Um, and so maybe take that down a peg. Don't put them on a pedestal. And then... That's a great point. And then realize, um, you know, you have to kind of come to terms with, you have to throw out, I think it's chapter 15, where we talk about categorical thinking. And you have to throw out this idea, it's either 15 or 16, um, that, that, you know, drinking is morally wrong. You know, I, I told her, I go, do you know that, you know, it, there's a lot of stories in the Bible about wine, drinking wine. Everybody drank wine back then. The water was poison. Right. right. <laughs> they lived on it, which is why their life expectancy was so pathetic. Yes. Yeah. They're drinking wine like, constantly. There, there's, there's, I mean, drunkenness is talked about as being sinly or sinful or whatever. Um, 
but but I'm like drinking in general. There's there's nothing. It's not bad. It's not wrong. It doesn't it doesn't have a moral. There's it's not a moral issue, and you gotta throw that away to figure out what you like about it. So what you're really talking about is throw away the guilt. Throw that away. It's it's pointless. And the shame, and the what? What did they say? Like, like you could, if you want to lose weight, you let first get rid of the judgment of others or something. Mm-hmm. Like, shed yeah. that. Yeah, shed that and shed the pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, so that's I said. In order to figure out what you really want, that needs to go away. That needs to go away and get to. And she said, well. She said, I really do enjoy when I get home from work having a glass of wine. And I said, then have a glass of wine. But stop feeling bad about it. Because when you do that, and this is the other part of this, when you feel bad about it, you go home, you have that one glass of wine, it's all you really want. Then you start feeling like crap about it. I had a glass of wine. It's terrible. Maybe I'll have another glass of wine to feel better. Yeah, because it makes the mythology that alcohol solves problems even more attractive and bigger yep so you're actually creating a negative feedback loop based on shame guilt feeling bad and and the lie the perceived benefit that alcohol cures your stress and depression and and all this all this. and can make shut your mind down can shut off that guilt the guilt scripts in your mind and and alcohol can't do that so so let, let's go back to the to the person worried about what other people think it's 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 a poison yeah it's a poison to the mind because here's the deal confidence is the ultimate goal because within confidence lies peace yes so confidence can't be had without experimentation without making mistakes but the mistakes are yours to live with Okay. Now, if you're drinking so problematically, we're not talking about the person that's drinking so problematically that everybody is suffering in, right. in their they're, sphere they're, of they're behaving terribly. Um, they've they've given they're, up all like they're not paying the bills. Not paying and, the bills, not doing their responsibilities, not going to work. Um, their whole life is surrounding this this level of substance use that's self-destructive. So if that's if that's you better think about the opinions of others because you're hurting them. Well, and you'll end up alone. That's right. Which is fair. So so they ha- then in that case, the people have a right to say what they want. The other thing is they always have a right to say what they want, and they're going to. Right. Even if you're drinking uh, two glasses of wine a day and they have opinions about it. But, but let's go back to confidence. The only way that you're going to be confidently drinking in that atmosphere is if you figure out what it is you want you do it with conviction. You do it without apologizing because you're not hurting anybody. Okay? Yeah. And you do it with utter and total 100% confidence. Now, if you, if you do that, then people will figure it out very quickly that there's nothing to be afraid of. Their fear will go down a bunch of notches. Yeah. And you won't have to deal with them after a year or two or maybe a month or two or a week or two, it might yeah. even be. Um, but, but if you're walking around without confidence – worried terribly about what people think every time they say something it's going to knock you off your chair well yeah and it's going to and then it will create that which you're trying to avoid which is which is that like because i did stuff like that where when i was you know they'll smell blood in the water yeah when i early on when i was really working hard to change my life it, it was certain aspects of my life i was 
overly consumed with what people thought. And then certain aspects of, of my life, I wasn't. I was doing what I wanted ultimately. And and any time like the people like my family of origin, like uh, you know, the, the, a button would get pushed or something, and it was something I was trying to avoid. I was acting better. Um, I would end up like losing my shit. Right. Right. You know, and then everybody like, see, she hasn't changed. She's just like she used to be, Ugh. which is so frustrating. Now, if you have a toxic situation where you're actually trying to get on the horse and you're really, really doing well and everybody's riding your ass. Oh, yeah. Well, then then if your life is unbearable to that degree and you're drinking two glasses of wine a day and you're doing it successfully and they're riding your ass, my God, cut those relationships out for a while or yeah. or have the balls to be able to drink and do it long enough where you feel, you know what, I've given you guys the opportunity to see that I got my shit together. And if you don't see it, you don't see it. Now, in my case, I had to do that. I did too. I, I had my shit together for years. Yep. And my family wouldn't even take phone calls from me. And and I had to let that go. And yep. you know what? It was the best thing for me because I just said, well, fuck it. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to build myself. And, and then eventually I have great relationships with my family now. And I'm one of the more maybe maybe um, mature of the bunch, really. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that, but but I, I, I think they really, they see that I am mature. They see it. Yeah. Right. They, yeah. I mean, it didn't I, help that you were the youngest and, right. you know, but I was the oldest and, you know, it was kind of the, the bad you know, the bad one, whatever, right. one of them. And, um, and I did much the same thing where, you know, I kind of got my life together and I had these, you know, somewhat toxic relationships and I had to take a step back from them so that I could figure out what I wanted. So I could figure out who I wanted to become and do it freely and without the encumbrances of the judge, harsh judgments I felt from others. Yeah, so so let's say that you have a, a fairly toxic situation like that and you don't have the confidence built yet, right? That's a sticky place to be. I was lucky in that my family completely rejected me, so I was not subjected to them. I was kicked out of, I was excommunicated from my family and it was good because <laughs> then I could just address my shit without an audience, which is what I did. And trust me, the first four years, I cried a river of tears. I, I was a mess for a lot of that time because I was just trying to figure out how to live. And, and I didn't drink or drug, but I, I was getting through a lot of really bad trauma shit yeah and and moving on from it and i didn't have an audience and i think that made it easier and it was funny because in the brief times that i would go home and be near my family i would always come back feeling really bad and i i would talk to jerry about it he was my mentor at the time the research mentor and he said you know why don't you just not go home for a couple of years yep just don't you know you're not strong enough to do that yet you just don't have your own self-identity built well enough yet someday you're going to be very strong and confident and there did it took till i was 24 and i can remember that i turned a massive corner at 24 massive and i was like i really like my career i i finished college i graduated with high high honors i i just got peaceful and then when i went home and pe they 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 sort of held their same old roles. It, it rolled off my back. I didn't care. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I used to say to people all the time that I would be working with, I would say, you know, here's the thing about this. You're changing. They're not. 
they're they're not trying to better their lives because they don't they don't have some sort of issue that forces that hand exactly exactly and so they're going to be who they've always been to you and relationships are habitual just like anything else and you can have you can create habits of you know relating to each other on a on a level that is um mutually respective or or respectful or mutually hurtful yep um and and so at any point like we play roles and we talk about this in the book as well and if you've gotten into the role where you're you're the bad seed you're the black sheep you know you're the one that's always in trouble that's always causing problems and you try to break out of that role (laughs) a lot you know your family isn't they're still they're still playing the role of having to be the disciplinarian and the parent and you know even if it's a sibling or a spouse that has taken on that role because you're the one that is the helpless addict right um so breaking out of that role is going to be all about what you do and how you behave um because they won't naturally break out of it until they see that your behavior is completely different and sometimes they never change. Sometimes they're just abusive. Yes. Sometimes I've had relationships, not so much in my family, but definitely in my social circles from those years where I have nothing in common with them. And and I moved on completely. As a matter of fact, when I went back to my high school reunion, the first one, they almost built a memorial for me. Oh, I God. Had, I had disappeared, and they were like, holy shit, we didn't know if you were dead or what the deal was. <laughs> and I said, well, I left because I had to just get out of this town, and, and I needed a fresh start because the, the reputation I had and what I felt there was so negative. Yeah. So sometimes you got to give yourself a, a chance like that. Now, some of you won't need that. Sometimes you have family and kids that are just a pain in the ass, and you just got to live through it and build your confidence in the pool with that kind of nonsense. Yeah, and kind of accept people for what they are and what they can bring to the table and you know, you know, sometimes people are just difficult to be around and and you have to gauge whether or not it's worth it. It's worth it to make that investment if that relationship is something um that that you want to invest in anymore or not. Um and and so so back around to ultimately if you're all consumed with worrying about what others think of you, about the judgment of others, especially when it comes to any kind of substance use. That is going to get in the way of you figuring out what you want to do, how you want to use it, if you want to continue using substances, if you'd rather be abstinent. Certainly, on a very small scale, you can weigh, you can use that, what others want. You know, my if you have a spouse and you've been very self-destructive drinking for a long period of time and your spouse is like, look it, I'm not comfortable with you drinking anymore. Well, then that's something you should really consider. You know, do I want to make this person worry or, it, you know, is it worth it for me? Is this relationship worth it for me to, am I willing to give up drinking for that's that right. person? That's right. You know, I mean, that's one thing. Now, if, if you... You know, if you had a problem with drinking and you went to detox and you took care of it and um, and it really didn't cause any havoc, it didn't wreak any havoc, you don't have a DWI, you, you're not a child abuser or a spousal abuser, you're not, there wasn't real problems that were caused by it and, you're, and your goal is, I'm oh, just never going to go back to detox again, I'm, I want to learn how to drink 
in a way that's non-problematic. Um, let your family know that and and just be like, yeah, I'm going to, but I'm going to keep an open mind about this. And if it looks like it's going to become a problem again, I'll stop it. That's it. You know, I mean, it's, it's it. It, it, what we need to do is bring drinking or, or drug use, quite frankly, into this realm of decision making dis- like anything else. Like anything else. That's right. You know, it's, we don't, even people that are diabetic, if they want to have a piece of cake, we don't treat them like we would somebody who you had deemed an alcoholic having a a glass of alcohol, but it's just as damn dangerous, less dangerous. It's more dangerous for a diabetic to have a piece of cake than it is for somebody who used to have a drinking problem to have a glass of alcohol. That's right. You know, so, so if, if you're trying to shed you know the addict identity and you're trying to change the way you think about substance use and addiction um you have to throw away this idea uh that once an addict always an addict and and here's the deal if if you're if you're willing to let go of the opinions of others Mm -hmm. you will automatically bring greater power into your life because the power you own is who you are which is your thoughts your beliefs that's your power yeah that's you have free will you can choose anything for yourself but as soon as you take your free will your positive drive principle and place it in the hands of the opinions of others you lose all control of your own self-identity oh and it's so unsatisfying yeah such a horrible way to live you become a slave to the opinion of others so don't do that don't be conscious about the fact that you should not do that it's more productive to live your life the way you want to live it and make a decision about that. Hold to it. If it ends up being a mistake or a bad idea, if you drink too much, you drug too much, and well, then change it. But it's you. You have the power to do that because the power is free will. Always. <laughs> always. always. Nobody's You're always ever in out of control. control. Right. Yes. Nobody's ever out of control. Not after, not with, not when they're triggered by something that they think think triggers them nobody's ever out of control of what they ingest and that is the most important component of of learning how to change your life is learning that that there's never a loss of control you're always doing what you want to do and it's just figuring out what you really want that's the key that's it i think that's it for today thank you so much for listening we hope you found our show informative and entertaining If you or someone you love is struggling with a substance use problem or any other habitual behavior problem, and you'd like to talk to someone here, call 1-888-424-2626 to get detailed information about all of our products and services, including our books, our retreat, our private instruction via video conference, and our new online program, which consists of more than 65 video lessons, go to thefreedommodel.org. To get free digital copies of the Freedom Model for Addictions and the Freedom Model for the Family, go to thefreedommodel.org and enter coupon code FREEDOM100 at checkout. Follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and subscribe to the Freedom Model YouTube channel. You can join our private Facebook group, the Freedom Model Group, where we discuss the Freedom Model and how people completely move past both addiction and recovery. You can join us every other Wednesday. It's actually the first and third Wednesdays of each month in the afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern time, where we answer questions from our readers, our students, 
our Facebook group members and podcast listeners. And um, it's, it's simulcast on both our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. There are a few ways you can contact us. First, by email. If you want us to do a podcast on a topic uh, that, of your choosing, email us, info at thefreedommodel.org. You can private message us through Facebook and Instagram, or you can call us at 888-424-2626. From everyone here at the Freedom Model and the St. Jude Retreat, we wish you well.